Welcome to the Light Reading Podcast. I'm Phil Harvey. I'm an editor at Light Reading, joined today, as ever, by Kelsey Zeiser. Hello, Kelsey. Hello, Phil. How's things? Good. Paul's here. It Pumpkin is. everything. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you don't even stop at uh, spice lattes. It's just pumpkin everything now. Pumpkin all the things. Yeah. I did get a pumpkin this weekend. It was on oh, sale. Oh, did you? Yeah. <laughs> Were you, uh, are, do we have plans for that? Is that going into a pie? Is that being carved? What, <laughs> yeah, it'll it'll be carved into something really spooky. Oh, <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah, um, uh, yeah I, don't, I don't even want to get into trick-or-treating talk because who knows uh, how that's going to go. And we, we still have 10 days till Halloween. So yeah. let's... So my plan is to sit out in the front in the front lawn with the dog uh-huh. and um, put some candy, like social distance away. And right. Make sure the kids only take like one or two pieces and not dump the whole bowl in their bag. <laughs> That's right. Will you have a, a slingshot or something for enforcement? Um, I think you know. that I'll I'll put the dog on a long leash and just kind of like <laughs> let him out. And... <laughs> just, <laughs> just as they get to closer to the bowl, you just keep giving him a little more leash. <laughs> but he's so sweet; he would just like give them a bunch of kisses. Oh yeah, I'm sure. All but over I, him. I just, you know, but. But as a as a little kid with a with a, a mask that's partially blocking your vision <laughs> at night, that could it could be. I, I like it. I like it because it's appropriately generous and terrifying, which is all Halloween really should be about. Right? We do have a little lion costume for him, which works really well because it's the same. Um, the fur is the same color as his fur. Oh, that's so cute. So of course. Yeah, I mean he hates wearing it, but he <laughs> does look like a little baby lion. <laughs> that's fantastic. All right. Well, uh, um, uh, I can't. Yeah. Well, okay. You have to send pictures because everybody else is saying that Halloween's canceled, but it doesn't sound like it's 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 at all close to being canceled uh, on your block. So that's good. Um, uh, so I, we have a guest today. Uh, before uh, before we uh, uh, go into all the other holidays, um, we have a uh, uh, Raj uh, Yavatkar, uh, CTO of Juniper Networks, and. Uh, I, I said his name without stopping that time. So I'm very <laughs> proud of that. Ten points. Uh, yes, but he's been, um, uh, you know, he's CTO of Juniper, but, you know, before Juniper, he was at Google Cloud, he was at VMware, and he's had a pretty wide spectrum of experience mm-hmm. on the cloud virtualization and enterprise networking side. And that's why I think he's a really interesting um, uh his vision's really interesting for a company like Juniper Networks, which has always been, you know, more or less hardware based. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's really important at a time where, um, you know, cloud applications are so critical for enterprises, and mm-hmm. um, it, it, it's really a good time for them to be shifting gears a bit. Yeah, and 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 kind of con- they're they're kind of on this continuation, as we'll hear um, uh, into. I guess being more being more cloud centric, but but really defining what that means from an enterprise point of view. Mm-hmm. So you know, getting getting that um, intelligence, the AI, uh, predictive analytics, and all of that stuff at each connection point in the network, no matter what the device is. Mm-hmm. That sounds like such an easy thing to do, but it's an impossible thing to do if you only have like one or two. Uh, 
endpoint items in your portfolio. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and that's that's what, you know, also motivated I think Juniper to uh, buy uh, 128 technology and and also some of its earlier acquisitions like Mist and like NetRounds and some of these others is mm-hmm. that they've they've th- they seem to have uh, been moving steadily down this path of more of, of a more intelligent enterprise and uh uh, anyway, I, I, I'm uh, looking forward to the interview uh, to uh, uh, hear about how all that's coming together. Yeah, so, same here. Uh, let's get on with the interview with uh, Raj Yavatkar, uh, CTO of uh, Juniper Networks. This episode is brought to you by Avast, global leaders in digital security for network operators. They can build a safer digital world for your customers and their families. Discover more at avast.com slash partners. That's A-V-A-S-T dot com slash partners. Welcome to the podcast, Raj Yavatkar, CTO of Juniper Networks. Hi, Raj. Hi. Nice to meet you. Good to meet you as well. Thanks for doing the podcast. Uh, and uh, 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 some big news today uh, for uh those listening, let's just uh, set the stage. Uh, we're recording this Monday, October nineteenth, and Juniper announced today that it'd be requ- uh, it would be acquiring one twenty eight technology. Um, so the details of that are on Juniper's blog and on Light Reading. We we uh, we won't get into too many of the details there, but I did want to ask you uh, just in general about um, your overall vision for AI and how that works uh, in enterprise networking and how that sort of uh, you know, reshapes the enterprise as you see it. Sure. Thank you. Thanks uh, for the question. I think AI-driven enterprise is the overall bigger uh, vision and strategy uh, that we're following today. Uh, as a lot of people have talked about self-driving, self-filling networks for quite some time. But this is the first time you're seeing that that actual vision is getting translated into something real. So when we acquired Mist.ai, we got a very important asset for Wi-Fi networks. What MIST does is that they are completely cloud managed. All of the data from the access points, endpoints goes to the cloud. They have cloud-based AI-driven engine, which correlates across different events and um, uh, any observations that you get out of telemetry. It's a microservices-based architecture, so they can constantly update. You don't need to have maintenance window and stuff like that. And finally, using machine learning, they have been able to do both self-diagnosis and proactive remediation. So if your endpoint is not connecting properly or if it's connected but not getting good performance, they can tell what is wrong, including simple examples like you might make the DHCP cache may need to be refreshed or you may have to um, uh, right. uh, restart the DHCP server, those kind of things. Now, we extended that to what we call wired assurance and WAN assurance. So wired assurance is very extended to campus and branch switches. So those switches can also start sending telemetry to the same engine, and now it can do the same thing for self-diagnosis and proactive remediation. Next step was VAN Assured. So we have been shipping a product for SD-WAN, secure SD-WAN. We have combined security with SD-WAN since the beginning of the year. That product, I like to call it first generation, which has already gotten good uh, reviews and so on. That again, what to introduce VAN Assurance, where we combine machine learning AI capabilities of wired assurance, Wi-Fi Assured with SD-WAN. Now, 128 gives us additional next generation uh, SD-WAN technology, so we can continue to evolve that. But bigger vision is deliver self-driving networks with actual concrete uh, examples. Okay, that makes sense. Um, the, what is the self? 
when when it, when it's um, when a network is self-driving, you know, does it necessarily have to be the same technology vendor throughout, or can some of that intelligence be sort of added in pieces? Excellent, and that that's a very good observation. So one of the things I think it applies to in a data center environment where you have multi-vendor. Data centers are n- n- not going to be single vendor, right? There might be right. uh, boxes, systems for multiple vendors. As long as you can collect telemetry from all of those devices, and now because of open standards, gRPC-based telemetry is very common. So you can collect all that telemetry, then you can even start correlating irrespective of the particular vendor. So you can uh, still operate in multi-vendor. Now, campus branch networks and SD-WAN environment, it's not multi-vendor, but you can extend that data, data center very easily. And Juniper also um, recently had an announcement on the security side with adaptive threat profiling. Uh, why yeah. is it important to um, take a more uh, proactive approach or stay on the offensive for security? And, and how does this um, new service do that? Uh, thank you, Kelsey. So I think important part is security has been a bolt-on to multiple products traditionally. What we are saying is that start with security journey, uh, uh, what we call connected security, integrated as, as a first-class object in anything we do. Our high-end firewalls are already one of the market leaders. We have very large market share. That, so building upon that, we are trying to make sure that we can provide adaptive threat profiling and other uh, mechanisms and features so that all of our products have security built in as a connected security right from the start. Makes sense. Um, are you seeing any new uh, security threats coming up um, in recent months? Um, I don't know if, you know, we've we've talked on the podcast a bit about the home network and struggles there um, around security, not just, you know, um, teleworkers being able to access the, the net enterprise uh, data, but also ensuring that the home network is secure. So are you seeing any new security threats out there? Yeah, so I think excellent question, right? Because I, office perimeter has extended into home network. And due to that, all of the security vulnerabilities that are not necessarily protecting, uh, protected against at home environment are the new threats. Right. This is where we are trying to make sure that we take our virtual SRX product, which is really the virtual uh, firewall, and combine that with home connect, home gateways, the home connectivity, so you can start addressing those security threats. The new security threats continue to emerge all the time. There are new advisories coming out, but more importantly, we have to take the office perimeter and extend it to the home office, uh, so that we can start protecting our. Uh, customers and their employees against those things. How do you sort of get the AI-driven enterprise started? Does it start sort of with the um, the connectivity, you know, and, and kind of the access point and where, where the devices connect? Does it start, is the router kind of the, the, the beginning of this? Because yeah. Ju- Juniper's, as Juniper's been adding AI to its portfolio in different ways, I'm trying to figure, um, you know, wh- where is this sort of hub and spoke or is this like a distributed approach, I guess? And maybe maybe that's even an old way to ask that question. But I... <laughs> No, but it's an important question because you, uh, in that question, you uh, embedded multiple layers in my opinion, right? So I'll give an example that our vision is that you should be able to connect any device to the network, new system, new router, new switch, and it should come up and connect to the cloud and start providing telemetry and the AI-driven uh, enterprise, AI-driven network can start. 
Today, we have realized that vision with missed access points and our uh, campus switches, EX brand, right? Today, if you buy EX and just plug into your branch, uh, some people might even do it for home office, by the way. It immediately comes up on its own. It has a completely zero-touch provisioning, and it connects to the rig. That's a great point to start. Now, it's not so easy to do that in data center and WAN routers, right? Because they come with a lot more controls uh, in terms of how the network administrators brings up those devices. But we believe that we can achieve the same goal provided we have done the advanced work to make sure that we meet the security posture as well as any configuration posture that is specified in advance. Okay, so it so it really doesn't it really doesn't kind of reside or or, or have kind of a central point of operation. It's really more about um, making sure that uh, that the same policies, I guess, is a and uh, technique is applied everywhere. Yeah, and I think the critical thing is that if it's cloud managed, it's much easier because you can connect to the cloud right. immediately. My many customers like large service providers, large enterprises may not be comfortable with that. In that case, we have to provide mm -hmm. an on-prem version of similar on-prem cloud, quote unquote cloud, a private cloud right. version of it. So it can connect to that and start using the same engine, same uh, machine learning algorithms and so on. Yeah, that makes sense. I, that also sort of says that I guess the way I was thinking of it is is the, the way we used to imagine networks was really more out of that kind of device centric way that I was describing. You know, just sort of like what device does it all originate with? But you're right, AI driven networks have to be cloud centric networks. There's no other way for it to um, uh, both proliferate and also, I guess, um, uh, continue to update because that's that's I guess the benefit of AI as well is that it's not a static um uh state of uh being i guess boy that sounded uh sounded very ethereal but i think <laughs> i think you know what i meant <laughs> yeah, yeah. but most i think that's the important point right because if you look at uh, uh let's say data center fabric people look at the entire fabric as one giant blob right that's how google like hyperscalers treat them and the same thing we should be able to bring into data centers and using cloud-based management approach you can connect, uh, discover the topology of this uh, fabric, absorb it, and start using the telemetry to uh, discover the connections as well as find out which connections are working and so on. So a lot of this thing is now real. It's no longer theoretical that you are able to do that using machine learning algorithms. And that's the exciting part. So just switching gears a little bit, what are your thoughts on um, the role of Orion in 5G and, and what kind of impact will that have on 5G deployments? You said Orion? Like, sorry, uh, on Orion. Uh, Orion, okay, yeah. Yeah, so I think um, uh, it's, I'm really surprised at some of the latest data that's coming. If you ask me at the beginning of the year, I would say 5G infrastructure built out is already happening. When it comes to the transport network and metro, we are already providing lots of parts. We got design wins and so on. But if you had asked me earlier in the year about Oran, I would say it's two, three years out, right? But hmm. no, it's no longer true. As we talk to more and more customers, and it's not just Dish and Rakutan like uh, um, sort of uh, trailblazers, but even the large service providers, telcos, are looking at Oran very seriously. So it looks like now the initial deployments will start mixing the traditional box-based vertical integrated systems, also ORAM. And I'm really, last few months, we have seen a lot of uptick in that. So that's an opportunity uh, for a big disruption in the industry, in my opinion. 
Yeah, that's a good good point because I I was what I was just getting ready to ask you is how how influential is this going to be in the industry because this kind of plays into this whole um, you know networking philosophy that that does favor AI the cloud and and a more software centric approach. Exactly. Um, you know, I, I right now it's I, I think Gabe Brown of uh, Heavy Reading was saying that that the actual like installed ORAN part of uh, the you know five G world is only maybe two or three percent, but exactly. the influence is far greater than that. Um, how, how do you see that reshaping uh, the you know the industry as 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 we as as five G continues to proliferate? I, I'd, I'd like to start with an example, analogy, right? If you look at 2007, when people started talking about software-defined networking, where we started disaggregating control plane with from data plane. No, no, no longer. It's a true. It's happening everywhere. It has happened everywhere in enterprises, service provider. It's similar to that. That concepts of software-defined networking, disaggregation principles are being applied to this vertically integrated radio access network, which was very slow to adapt. It's very slow to evolve. Now. ORAN really disaggregates the entire stack. So you have RUCAM, uh, radio unit can come from somewhere, distribution unit, central unit can come from third parties. More importantly, it allows for XAPs, different types of applications, to run on top of this infrastructure, which can be AI-based, take advantage of analytics and so on. So radio intelligence controller, radio slicing, slice management, spectrum optimization, um, all those things are going to be enabled that allows smaller companies, startups, and other part of the ecosystem to evolve very rapidly. And I'm convinced now that it's going to happen. This disruption is started. Question is at what pace it takes place. But like you said, right now, 2-3% deployments. I expect that within a year or two, it may be 20%, which is a huge number if you look at the yeah. size of the net market. Yeah. It's, I mean, for especially for something that represents an architectural change, it's a, it's yeah. a really fast moving um, yeah. uh, thing, especially in telco. Um, uh, one more quick question, and then we'll we'll uh, we'll probably uh, wrap up. Um, just just sort of on the um, on the ORAN front, uh, you know, when you see a, a wave of technology, you know, sort of like that, and and it's definitely disruptive because it allows for uh, multiple vendors, more competition between vendors, more open approach. Um, how does Juniper avoid being, uh, you know, disrupted in that process? How are how are you keeping the technology portfolio at Juniper, uh, uh, you know, current, but without being, you know, one of the incumbents that gets left behind as this as this uh, unfolds? So I think the uh, the five G network infrastructure has multiple parts. So there's a transport core of the network, transport metro. There we already have uh, products like Northstar, SDN controllers, so we already support SDN-based architecture. We have never traditionally played in radio access networks, which are served by vertically integrated systems vendors. This aggregation of that creates an opportunity for us to even go into that market and potentially expand our tap. So I am not right now ready to provide all the details, but you can imagine we want to take advantage of the disruption. So rather than being disrupted in certain areas where we are not player, we would be the disruptors. Whereas where we are likely to be disrupted, I believe that we are already ahead of the game with respect to supporting this aggregated architecture with software defined networking and control plane data plane separation. As you, uh, as I guess the theme of this is, it's not a, it's not a static network, so we shouldn't expect you to be static either, right? Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
All right. Well, thanks so much for uh, uh, for uh, spending a little time with us, uh, Raj uh, Yavatkar, uh, CTO of Juniper Networks. We do, really do appreciate uh, having you on the podcast. Thank you both. Thank you both of you. Thanks. Thanks so much. That is it. That's our show. This podcast is produced by the Light Reading Video team, Tian Fu and Pierre Landrio. Thank you, boys, for doing what you do. We do appreciate it. You will find this and all of our other past episodes by visiting www.lightreading.com slash LRPod. That's lightreading.com slash LRPod. Or you can subscribe to the podcast in your favorite podcasting app. Uh, Overcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, SoundCloud, etc., etc. Thank you very much for listening to the Light Reading Podcast. Thanks to Avast for their sponsorship this week. Avast's award-winning security solutions make it easy for your customers to stay safe online no matter how many devices they use. Learn more at avast.com slash partners. That's A-V-A-S-T dot com slash partners.